In partnership with Trauma-Free World, the International Network of Children's Ministry presents Trauma-Informed Children's Ministry, a podcast series dedicated to equipping children's ministry teams in order to elevate trauma-informed care of kids and families in the church. We believe children's ministry is the most futuristic and strategic ministry of the church. When you're on the front lines of this key ministry, you need to be informed about how to effectively serve today's kids and equipped to create environments where all kids can meet with Jesus. And preparing you to do that is what this podcast is all about. Are you ready? Let's dive in. My name is Michaela White, and I get to serve as the Executive Director for INCM, as well as the host for this podcast. I'm grateful to explore today's topic with Julie Cooper. Julie serves as Senior Vice President of Training and Curriculum at Trauma-Free World, and she is a champion for the way children's ministry leaders impact kids with hard stories. In the previous episode, Julie, Kim Botto, and I discussed the church's role in trauma competency, specifically as it relates to our volunteer teams. Today, Julie and I are going to continue the conversation on the church's role in trauma competency, but we want to explore how our own stories inform how we show up in ministry to kids and others. This is really going to help us as children's ministry leaders grow in self-awareness, as well as empower us to show up more compassionately as leaders. Julie, thanks for bringing your expertise to the conversation today. I'm excited to dive in with you. You're welcome. It's great to be here. I'm excited about I'm excited about what we're going to cover today. You know, we've talked in the past two episodes about the church's role in trauma competency. That's been we, where we've sat for a couple of these episodes, and it mm-hmm. might be a little puzzling to those listening as to why we would devote an entire episode to our own stories. But why would we do this? Why is this conversation important? This conversation is so important because um, regardless of what we were taught somehow in our childhood or in our upbringing, our own story matters. The more we are connected with our own story, the healthier we will be. You know, it's interesting. There's a, so um, children have an attachment style. Uh, We're not going to talk a lot about this, but there's, there's what's called um, secure attachment. Mm-hmm. And, and when we've grown up in certain environments, <clears throat> excuse me, we have what's called secure attachment. We, we really value things like our emotions and our emotional experience. That's one of the things mm-hmm. there. Are, there's an entire another type of attachment, which completely dismisses emotions. And it's interesting because research has actually shown that within the church, we have higher levels of dismissive attachment. So emotional avoidance than outside of the church. Um, and it, it's an interesting um, conversation to have to know that our childhood matters. We, yeah. You know, we're not going to say, well, we're, we're all grown up now. We don't need to look back at that. That doesn't matter. We're actually more healthy when we do take a look at our own stories. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're able to see like, this is why I believe this thing. This is why I react this way to this person. This is why um, I feel this way when this thing happens Mm -hmm. rather than power through those, those moments, when we slow down to really have an awareness of our own story, it actually makes us healthier. So it's important to, to take a look at this. Yeah. I think when we slow down and have a, a greater sense of clarity around our story and why we're showing up the way we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, It, it helps us to grow, to learn, 
to release all of, all of those things are so critical. And so, you know, as we grow in self-awareness and the impacts of our story and how we show up in life, what does that actually mean for our trauma competency? Like, what does that begin to make possible for us as leaders? Yeah. You know, uh, what that, What that means is that we're going to be able to really explore what it looks like. Those of us who are in ministry, we're we're compassionate people, right? (laughs) Most of us, especially those of us in children's ministry, uh, we're compassionate people. We we want to make a difference in in kids' lives. Um, However, when we work with kids who've experienced trauma, and we've talked a lot about how those kids tend to show up with their big behaviors and emotions. (laughs) If we have anything in our own past that can be triggered, it will be triggered by kids from trauma. Um, They're excellent at pushing buttons. Plus, we may have things underneath the surface that we've been trying to keep down there for a long time that that gets triggered when we put ourselves into a place where we work with kids who come from hard pasts. Um, And so being consciously compassionate it's not enough. And that's not to say that the love of Christ isn't enough. It is absolutely enough for all of our glorious salvation. But does the love of Christ allow me to continue to go deep with kids who are constantly triggering me? Sometimes we see that we need more. We actually need some competent compassion. We need to be competently aware that what is happening in this kid is not just willful disobedience, it's protective survival behavior. And what's happening in me is actually a reaction from my own story. We want to do work on both sides. The truth is when we learn about trauma-informed care, the one who changes, actually, it's us. It's us as the adult. We are the ones who understand the impact of trauma on kids and on ourselves. You know, if we know that trauma is prevalent, we shared um, how trauma is not rare. It was a misconception that trauma is not rare. That is us too. So many of us in ministry, we have our own stories. Yeah. If, if we don't do some work ourselves, we will not be able to truly offer to others. Um, right. You can't take a child to a place that you've never been. Right. Um, that is a quote by Dr. Karen Purvis. And it's absolutely true. If we want to offer grace and healing, we need to have experienced that in our own lives. Yes. Yes. So as we grow more aware and we allow that to be an opportunity for growth, how should we respond to things we begin to recognize or understand more clearly about our own stories? So, you know, as a, as a leader, you know, and I, and I listen to you, I think, okay, yes, I want to grow in my self-awareness. I, I, I want to take some time to really reflect on, you know, who is showing up here and how are, how did they get to show up this way? You know? Um, and I, and I move into, uh, uh, a place where I really allow the love of Christ that's transformed me to, um, help me to recognize what's happening in my own story. What do I do? How do I respond when I begin to recognize those things and understand more clearly? Yeah. What's happening there. Mm -hmm. Each of us have different, um, have different stories, right? Some of us have more, have more trauma, Mm -hmm. uh, more difficult stories, but we each, we each begin with that self-awareness. And as things come up, we take it to the Lord 
And I also um, suggest we take it to another person. Yeah. Right. So we take those things to the Lord and we take them to another person to help us see even more clearly that which we may not have been looking at. Yeah. It may be that we, that something comes up, there's a memory and I'm realizing, oh my gosh, this is why I don't like X, Y, Z. I have a good friend who will not eat scrambled eggs. He recently said, I realized I won't eat scrambled eggs because we had them on this one Christmas morning. My parents got into a huge fight and he's like, I've just been kind of living with it. I don't eat scrambled eggs, but I've never really processed this story. Wow. He, he, he processed it pretty much just with Jesus and telling other people and the power of that memory went away. Now he eats scrambled eggs. Um, that's kind of just one example. But so sometimes it's just that we realize, we recognize, we connect the dots, we take it to the Lord and we're good. But for others of us, we're going to need um, a lot more help along the journey because we have things that have really taken root in our lives that have affected the identity of who we are, of yeah. who we are in Christ. So that can be um, a pastor in your church or a, a a really trusted friend who's competent, or it could even be a professional. And we just start looking at those things one by one. Um, you know, Michaela, I was, I was working uh, in a church one time and I was sweeping, um, kind of sweeping out the room. This was when I lived in Mexico and I asked one of the boys to sweep for me. He kind of threw the broom back at me and he said, uh, no, sweeping is women's work. <laughs> For some reason, I got so mad, so mad. Well, it's because it reminded me of something from my childhood. And I had to slow down and say, whoa, why was I so offended um, by that comment? And then I realized it connected to something in my childhood, which connected to something in my identity. Mm -hmm. Right. So I take it to the Lord. I take it to a friend. But a lot of us have, have some deeper work we need to do. And finding a, a pastoral counselor or a professional counselor is really a wise move. It's, it's not a sign of significance The you know, there's, there's a lot of different thoughts in the church around um, mental health, but I'll tell you that the idea of counseling and psychology does not have to differ from theology. Right. God created us. He created our, our mind, soul, and our spirit. So we can find um, Christian professionals who can walk through that journey with us. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about a leader who's listening and has, you know, quite a, a a bit of trauma maybe in their own story. And, um, you know, I think about how much stigma is around mm -hmm. mental health and attending to mental health. What would your encouragement be to the leader listening who maybe knows I, I have a hard story and I need to attend to it, but maybe feels shame around what it looks like to take that step. How would you encourage them? Well, I, <clears throat> I really encourage the person who might be thinking that to really sit before the Lord again and think about identity and, and shame is absolutely right. So many of us feel like we need to be right on 100% strong all of the time. I, I encourage that person to really come before the Lord and ask um, to be able to take a brave step towards connecting with a professional who will hold your story in confidence. Mm -hmm. um, your story, it is personal and private. And there's a time when God may call us to use our story to bless others, right? So sometimes we heal for the benefit of others to benefit from our story. 
but it's also okay if we heal and we, we keep that story to ourselves. So if we find a professional counselor, they will absolutely keep everything confidential. And then we can work together with the Lord on whether or not we ever need to use that story publicly in our testimony mm-hmm. or whether that's something that we hold dear to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I encourage, shame says I'm not enough, right? Shame says there's something about me that is not enough and I need to put forward this facade really that I'm always doing well, that I'm always doing strong. Even if bad things happened, it didn't matter. Look, I'm showing up here and I'm strong mm-hmm. because the majority of us have actually experienced trauma. Others out there are feeling the same ways. So I really encourage leaders to take steps of getting healing for yourself. And it may be that you use that step to encourage others to come the same way, but it also may be that you just use that. And that's your own personal story. Yeah. Um, but the Lord wants to bring you to greater places of freedom. Yeah. You know, this is definitely a bit more of a, a tender episode as we really encourage our, the leaders listening to reflect on their own stories, whether it's been a significant, um, you know, complex trauma that they've they've experienced in their life or maybe something that they're don't understand why does, why does this frustrate me? Or why does this cause such a strong reaction in me? What's happening there? Um, you know, different areas of the spectrum of how people might be responding to this. Um, but no doubt it's, it's raised some questions for our listeners that might feel tender and maybe even a bit disconcerting. How would you encourage them to move forward from here? Yeah. Uh, so we've already mentioned the idea of, of awareness it starts with taking time, which that's going to have to be intentional time. None of us just find ourselves with blocks of empty time on our calendars. If we do, we fill it up because we are so busy trying to get things done. It starts with taking time. Um, you know, it, I love this quote by John Calvin, who says, nearly all of the wisdom we possess consists in two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. As we know ourselves better, we know God better. As we know God better, we know ourselves better. But that it starts with taking time. That is the real first step to consider, to stop, take time and consider your story and to understand that it actually, it, it it's not frivolous. It's not a waste of time. It, it's not some psycho babble. It actually, it, it's completely biblical to do self-examination and to ask the Lord to do examination. Yeah. We want to be more like him. That comes through taking time and being aware of not just not just what we're accomplishing, but as you've said many times, why am I showing up the way that I show up? And is there anything the Lord wants to say about that or do with that? And, and I want to be open to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, search me, oh God, and know my heart, try me, Absolutely. know my thoughts. And you're right on there, Julie. I would just encourage as well the leaders who are listening. Um, you know, pace of life can really get in the way of attending. Yes. And um, sometimes we medicate with our pace. And the busier I am, the less I have to attend, the less I have to look at or think about my mm-hmm. story and and what is happening right now in my heart and my mind and my soul. And, and when we slow down, it's, it's quite revealing. 
Um, and so I just would encourage you to carve out some time. If you have a busy schedule, if you're listening to Julie's suggestions and thinking, I don't have time for that. Um, that's probably a good sign that you need to make time. Make time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, so I'd encourage you carve out some time this week. That's your next step is to carve out some time this week to reflect with the Lord, maybe go on a walk outside and ask for him to reveal to you what needs attending and what needs his healing in your life and allow him to guide and direct you in that. And we know because he's promised that when we seek him out, we'll find him and and he will show up in those spaces. So carve out some time to seek him out and invite him to search you and um, walk with you. And we know that he is good and kind and tender. And it's not going to be easy to take a look at the stories, Mm -hmm. but he is not going to abandon you to those stories either. Michaela, you shared um, in a previous podcast about lament. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't take time because we know we have grief about our story. We know there are things that have happened that uh, we're just trying to power through them and not feel them. We're not actually trying to to really feel them and, yes. and heal it. We're actually trying to push it down. Um, but we, but we know the Lord meets us there. He meets us in our hard stories. Amen. Amen. You know, friends, we are so grateful that you spent some time listening to this episode today. We know that it was more of a tender conversation and maybe even raised some questions for you that felt, um, like you weren't, uh, you maybe weren't prepared <laughs> to be wondering those questions, but we want you to know that we're praying for you and we're here for you. Um, if this episode has um, caused you to maybe reflect in some new ways, I want you to know that we're behind you and praying for you as you walk with the Lord um, in your story and what he has for you next. And we do genuinely hope that this conversation equipped you as a leader who wants to elevate trauma-informed care in your children's ministry. Uh, In our next episode, Julie and I will continue the conversation with one of our special guests, Kim Botto, as we discuss how to create trauma-informed environments and safe spaces for kids in our ministries. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss that episode. Uh, To learn more about INCM, you can get connected to what you need to serve kids and families at incm.org. And if you're ready to take intentional steps forward in trauma-informed care, connect to the resources from our partners at Trauma-Free World. You can do that at traumafreeworld.org. We're so glad you joined us today and we're here to support you and we're cheering for you always, friends. 